It is our prayer to open up God's word for a little while this morning and give some thought to uh, one of the parables that Jesus taught. We've been alternating Sunday by Sunday between psalms and parables, and today we're looking at a parable taken from the Gospel of Luke. Luke's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. So Luke chapter 10, I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. In just a moment, we will begin reading at verse 25. Please pray with me. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Luke chapter 10 Verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? The expert answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yesterday, I joined several thousand other family members and friends at the summer graduation ceremony at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio, where my son Judah received his master's degree in music education. 
His degree program was entirely online, and it was the very first time he had ever set foot on campus. That's just one way of several that formal learning takes place these days, as we've seen over and over throughout the pandemic. In-person learning is not the only way anymore. Instructors teach in classrooms, on video, and auto, audio recordings, in virtual classrooms, in writing, as well as many other formats. It's definitely a far cry from the way learning takes place in Jesus' day. The teaching and learning takes place in a couple of different ways. Many learning groups of disciples follow their rabbis throughout the countryside of, of Israel, stopping alongside of the roads for rest, food, and sleeping. And at other times, rabbis discuss and debate with each other in the temple or in the synagogues that are scattered throughout Judea and Galilee while their students and their followers listen in on their conversations between these leaders. For a guy who usually hangs out with fishermen from Galilee, Jesus has plenty of encounters with the Jewish leaders, with the Pharisees, and as today's text tells us, experts in religious law. One such expert sets out to test Jesus, to see if he can trip him up by asking him how to earn eternal life. The expert wants to know what he has to do, what kind of action is necessary. Perhaps the expert expects that Jesus will offer some sort of original thought or idea of his own. And then the expert can begin to debate and perhaps argue Jesus right into a corner, figuratively speaking. But Jesus is very shrewd. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but he is. He answers with another question right back to the expert. What does the law say? The law. Jesus appears to show respect to the very same Jewish laws as that expert. How is that going to enable any sort of debate or tripping up? Well, to answer, the expert recites the words of the creed from Deut Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19 that every faithful Jew recites every day of their life, including Jesus himself. Today we call it the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad, Va'avta L'Reaka Kamoka, Va'avta et Adonai Bakalavavka, Uvkal Nafshika, Uvkal Maodika, Va'avta L'Reaka Kamoka. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everyone knew that by heart. They said it every day. 
That's what's in the law. And that's what the expert said to Jesus. And once again, Jesus seems to agree with that expert. Jesus says, yes, you are correct. If you follow our Mosaic law, you're going to live. Well, now, how is that expert going to trip up Jesus if they keep on agreeing with each other? So the expert tries another tactic. Instead of focusing on the actions that he should be doing, the expert decides to get picky about just one word. If I'm supposed to love my neighbor, and he does agree with that, just who is that neighbor? Maybe this kind of question could trip up Jesus and make him look bad in front of everyone else. Simon Kistemacher puts it this way, for the theologian who was questioning Jesus, it was a matter of wanting to know where to draw the line. He wanted to know if love has limits. He wanted to justify himself and ascertain whether he had fulfilled the demands of the law. Jews in Jesus' day have some common understandings of who their neighbor is. They live in a circular world of neighborliness, with themselves at the center and close relatives next, and then kinsmen, and after that, all those who are Jewish descent, and then converts to Judaism by people of other ethnicities. Loving just these people groups would be enough to keep most Jews pretty busy. The expert wants to know how far he has to go and just who should be the recipients, the neighbors of any of his doing love. A common expression for us goes like this. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Give me the rules and I can follow them. Perhaps you're curious about just how high the bar or expectation is for your behavior. Things like driving rules, building codes, taxes, or school assignments. Maybe it might be in response to some wonderings about eternal life, like the expert in the law. What do you have to do to get eternal life? And if the answer is still to love God and neighbor, many of us ask the same question that that expert asks. Who is my neighbor? Is it about their geographical location? Their ethnicity? Their social status? Their skills? Or what? Just how far do I have to go in this? How much will be good enough? Haven't I done enough already? I sure don't want to have to do anything more than necessary. Well, instead of launching into a lecture to the expert and everyone else who is listening to this conversation, Jesus does what he does so very well. He answers that neighbor question with a parable. It's a pretty simple story, once again. 
And Jesus throws it right down alongside of that question with the answer embedded right there in the story. A man with no additional description heads down the, from the hill country that includes Jerusalem and the temple on his way to those lower elevations where Jer Jericho is located. Along the way, he gets beat up, robbed, and left for dead there alongside of the road. And not long after, a Jewish priest, and then a little later, a Levite of the tribe that all the priests belong to, both come traveling one at a time on that same road. In turn, they see that in badly injured mine, and they both turn on their heel and cross over to the other side of the road. There is no way that these two Jewish men, these holy men, are going to permit themselves to get contaminated by touching who knows who this might be, or even worse, touching someone who might already be dead. There are all sorts of re Jewish religious laws that prohibit that sort of thing. So they look, and then they pass by on the far side of the road and continue on their journey toward Jericho. There's not very much action in the doing department on the part of the priest or the Levite. They could have done something to help, but neither one of them did. Next comes one of the hated Samaritans, those people who have mixed ethnicities, who live between Galilee in the north and Judea in the south, and are well outside the Jewish circles of who might be their neighbor. No Jew expects anything wonderful from the Samaritans, since they are definitely outside of God's chosen people. But compared to the doing that was done by the priest and the Levite of seeing the man and passing on by, this Samaritan is the winner by a long shot. The Samaritan begins his doing in the very same way he sees. But then he begins to do so much more. Instead of crossing over to the other side of the road, the Samaritan takes pity on the man. He goes to him. He bandages his wounds. He puts the man on his donkey. He brings him to an inn. He cares for him. He gives money to the innkeeper, enough for two days worth of wages, gives instructions for care for that injured man, and he promises to pay whatever else might be owed. The Samaritan did so much more than those other two men. At least nine more acts of doing, by my count. And that's the end of Jesus' parable. But it's not the end of the conversation with the expert in the law. Remember that there's still this question hanging out there that Jesus hasn't answered yet. 
if the expert should love his neighbor and he does agree that that is correct, just who is this neighbor that he should be loving? And once again, Jesus answers a question by asking another question. Who is doing the loving? And not who should be receiving the loving. Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Well, the answer is obvious. Of course, the person who does those nine acts of doing is the one. The expert in the law can't logically give any other answer. And to quote him, he says, the one who showed mercy. Jesus completely holds his own as he verbally and logically discusses and debates with this expert. Throughout this story, Jesus reminds him that the Old Testament law is all about the doing of loving one's neighbor, not about trying to figure out who qualifies to receive that neighborly love, Go and do likewise, says Jesus. Act just like the Samaritan, even if you can't bring yourself to even say his name or ethnicity. Get busy doing love just like he did. God's requirement or law for us to inherit eternal life is the same as it was for the Old Testament Jews. Love God, love our neighbor, perfect obedience. For Jewish people who realized they were sinners and failed at keeping that law, God promised forgiveness upon their confession, and he required an animal sacrifice as a symbol of that deathly payment. But God still required that they love him and love their neighbor. God continues to require perfect obedience of us today. And we today still fail in loving him and in loving other human beings. However, God himself has provided that perfect death sacrifice that pays the price for our failures to love him and to love others. Jesus. No more animal sacrificing is necessary. And now our obedience takes on a different focus. Now our doing love is an expression of our gratitude to Jesus for paying that sacrificial price. Our doing love is not some sort of imperfect way to earn eternal life all on our own. We get involved in doing love whenever we have an opportunity to treat someone with dignity and respect. We do love when we contribute our finances to an organization that does love on a bigger scale than just one person could ever do. Doing love means watching for ways to help anyone who's in a hard place and then doing it lovingly, whatever we can, 
to meet their need. Definitely, we shouldn't be passing on by the other side. Ideas for doing love arise out of our prayer of confession this morning to offer relief from loss of love and compassionate, crushing work, despair, abandonment, weakness, poverty, disagreements, discouragements, and suffering. This parable is primarily about the doing love to our neighbor. However, the first command that Jesus and the expert talked about is to love God with our whole self. One way that we can love God is certainly by loving our neighbor. However, we also love God when we worship right here today. We love God when we spend time with him, listening to him speak to us from his word and through the Holy Spirit, and then us speaking back with him in prayer. Doing love to God and doing love to our neighbor are wonderful goals. But actually, they are our thankful response to the very best act of doing love that has ever been done and ever will be done. We read all about it in 1 John 4. Listen. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God is love, and we love because he first loved us. Doing love is at the heart of God's gift to us, of his son, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Gracious God, give us spiritual insight and understanding so that we would be able to see things from your point of view. May our words and actions of doing love bring credit to your name and joy to your heart. May all that we do bear fruit for your kingdom, and may we come to know and love you more each day. Strengthen us with your power so that we would be able to joyfully endure whatever comes our way and give thanks to you even in the midst of pain and suffering. Thank you for doing love to us by rescuing us from the power of darkness and bringing us into the glorious light of your kingdom. All praise to Jesus Christ our Lord in whom we have found redemption and forgiveness 
and experience your doing love. Amen.